Good morning, world. Welcome to another episode of Zendependently Minded. If you are a new or returning listener, I hope you enjoy this episode. If you're interested in more combat sports news, analysis, predictions, and discussions like this, stay tuned, because it's only going to get bigger and better from here. And if you know anybody you love, uh, maybe a loved one, family member, best friend, girlfriend, wife, husband, whatever, anybody who loves combat sports, share independently minded with them and be a good friend, because it's only the best combat sports podcast out there. So on this episode today, I'm just going to react and talk to basically what the future holds after UFC 249. So UFC 249 uh, was the UFC's first live event since March, and it featured some bangers, featured a really stacked card. Uh, the three, the in my opinion, the best combo for analysts, um, if you forget about Dominic Cruz, <clears throat> of course, because he was fighting, but it featured some really good fights, and I just wanted to talk about them and what they kind of hold for the future of that division or of that fighter and just basically how it's going to affect it, affect their future and their career in the UFC and, and MMA. So first one, I first note that I kind of took was the fact that Francis Ngannou knocked out Jarzeer Rosenstrike, Jarzinho Rosenstrike in 18, 19 seconds. So that was what I expected to happen. Um, Rosenstrike took some of Alistair Overeem's best shots, but uh, past his prime, post-steroids, Alistair Overeem is not Francis Ngannou, so um, it's what what I expected to happen. I saw something crazy out on fantasy football. The, fantasy, the ESPN fantasy app, I like to do picks on who's going to win for UFC fights, and for that card, I, I was 2 of 12, so I, I, I was pretty bad on my predictions, but I did pick Ngannou to win by knockout, and I think something like 98.7% of people picked him to win, so... He knocked out Rosenstrike. Looked great. He missed a few. He missed quite a few punches. But I mean, if you're, you can miss ten punches as long as the eleventh one puts the guy out. So that was really impressive. Uh, it was really good to see Ngani back in the octagon. I think he deserves a title shot next after Stipe and DC complete their trilogy. If that even happens, who knows? At this point, it's it's been a weird year as far as UFC goes, and I know. Um, Stipe has some eye damage, he has like a torn retina, which is a really serious and gross and painful injury to have to go through, and he's also fighting um, coronavirus right now as a firefighter, he's taking care of his country, so nothing unnoble in that. Um, so that was that was an interesting knockout, very picture-perfect knockout, Rosenstrike I knocked out, fell asleep against the cage before he even hit the ground took a few shots afterwards, and I, I think I did see on Twitter, he said he was all good, everything was okay, so good to see him um, better, but maybe we could see him go down to light heavyweight, and I don't know if he's fast enough for that, but he's still he's still pretty early on in his MMA career, he's only 10-1, and one, so we'll see what the future holds for Rosenstrike, and congratulations to Francis Ngannou. So, another fight that I really liked uh, was Vicente Luke and Nico Price. So this was a rematch. A lot of people don't know that they fought before, and I believe Vicente submitted Nico Price by it was like Armin Guillotine or Dars or something. I sometimes I can't tell the difference because I don't really do jujitsu. I only just look at memes and watch a few videos on it. But anyways, Vicente Luke and Nico Price uh, fought in a back and forth fight. Um, Nico Price is kind of an unorthodox, crazy striker kind of a brawler and Vicente Luke is very 
very traditional and technical with his striking and he was landing some big shots and he knocked Nico Price down and then uh, Nico Price had a big cut his eye swelled up and doctor decided to stop it so Vicente won by TKO doctor via doctor stoppage and so he has two wins over Nico Um, I know Nico was joking about having a third fight but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon Um, it was a good fight it would have been interesting to see what happened had the fight kept going on but it looked like Luke was going to win no matter what so congratulations to Vicente Luke he's a he's a good striker Uh, last time he fought he lost against Stephen Thompson uh, against Wonderboy it was very close really good fight I believe that was fight of the night for that card Um, and I think he's seven of eight seven wins um, only one loss out of his last eight fights so Vicente is coming into he's grown into his own mold I believe he's only 25 years old so he has a very bright future uh, another fight that I wanted to talk about was Bryce Mitchell, basically his complete utter domination over Charles, Charles Rosa. Um, the fact that he was, he attempted three or four twisters was insane. The fact that he was able to get into position for a twister was insane. Uh, after he had, um, submission of the year for getting that twister last year, uh, or the beginning of this year, I don't remember, but Bryce Mitchell is great. He's, he's getting those camo pants he asked for, his camo shorts he asked for him. Dana White and from Reebok and he's gonna get them and he deserves it and Bryce Mitchell is on the come up very excited to see what he has to offer in the future it's gonna be cool to see if he can develop his striking more um he doesn't really need his striking as much but everyone needs a little bit of a base for striking uh, in the UFC especially nowadays you can't go full-on Hoist Gracie and just uh go for the takedown and submit people and stuff like that it's all well and good but times have changed and We'll see if Bryce Mitchell can go with those changes. Uh, another fight that I wanted to talk about, Calvin Cater's knockout of Jeremy Stevens. So this is one that I was really excited to see. I was I was picking this to be my fight of the night. Um, I, <clears throat> and Gaethje and... I, who got fight of the night? I believe it was Vicente Luke and Nico Price who got fight of the night. I believe... I I was picking this to be fight of the night, but I did think Calvin Cater was going to win by knockout. I'm pretty sure that was my official prediction in my last podcast. I can't remember. Don't quote me on that. But Calvin Cater looked great. Um, He took a couple big shots from Jeremy Stevens. Jeremy Stevens is always dangerous. He's always a strong, tough competitor. He's a great contender. And it it was an emphatic knockout. It was a beautiful knockout. It was a picture-perfect left hook, I believe, to put him down. Um, that was exciting. Very exciting knockout. I was really excited to see that. And it's going to be cool to see what Calvin Cater does in that division. He is, uh, as Joe Rogan says, the dark horse of the 145 division, 145 pound division. So we'll have to see, um, where he goes in his UFC career after that. Great win over a big name, tough competitor, not a pushover guy. And to be able to knock him out in the first round, uh, second round, I think it's a big deal, big deal. And it was funny because I don't know the stats behind finishes on cards versus uh, going to decisions, but I feel like from the the two cards we've had without a crowd, there have been a lot of decisions. I don't know if the crowd affected it all or if it's just the fighters or fighting styles, but there weren't as many um, finishes early on. The first finish we got was uh, doctor stoppage, and I was thinking in my head, I was like, this fight's definitely not going to go to decision. These guys are too good too powerful they pack dynamite in both hands 
And then next thing you know, five seconds later, Calvin Cater knocks out Jeremy Stevens. So congrats to him. I'm pretty sure Calvin Cater won performance of the night. And I think, you know, when I think about it, I think Gaethje and Tony Ferguson got fight of the night. And then Gaethje also got performance of the night or something crazy like that. <clears throat> but moving on to the co-main event. So Henry Cejudo basically dominates Henry Cejudo. Uh, Henry Cejudo doesn't dominate himself. He dominates Dominic Cruz. Um, kind of funny play on words there, a little bit of rhyming, but Dominic Cruz, um, I mean, his movement was kind of stifled by the leg kicks, uh, I think those leg kicks single-handedly kind of, yeah, like I said, it kind of silenced or stifled Dominic Cruz's movement, um, and he was able to land a perfect knee as Dominic Cruz was going down for takedown, I believe, or he was just fainting a level change, I don't know, but he landed a perfect knee to his chin and a lot of people including myself at first thought that that was an early stoppage I could tell that it was going to be stopped just by uh, I forget the ref's name um, the guy that Dominic Cruz hates now but I I just wasn't sure if that was a good stoppage until I saw the replay and he'd ate like 11 unanswered shots and he was just getting up as the ref was starting to stop him I, I do think I do wish the ref just for Dominic Cruz's sake and for his legacy, and for how great of a champion he was before. I was hoping to see that fight play on, go through the round, but Henry Cejudo, is, he's the real deal. I'm, I i really expected Dominic Cruz to be able to come in there and kind of Henry Cejudo not be able to deal with his movement, but Henry kept attacking the legs, and he was landing some shots. He did get cut open by a couple headbutts, and it didn't stop him because 20 seconds later, he knocked Dominic Cruz to the floor with the knee, and finished him so that was a great great showcase on Henry Cejudo's part he did say that he's retiring at the end I don't think he's retiring I do kind of think it's a bargaining chip for Ali Abdelaziz to kind of get some more money for him or maybe build some hype by him retiring for a little bit coming back maybe becoming a two-time bantamweight or flyweight champion whatever the case may be I don't think Henry Cejudo's really done with combat sports um He's a good fighter. He's a little cringy. I'm not a huge fan of him, but um, I think the UFC would be taking a loss if he was to actually retire, but I think we'll see more from him and hear more from his manager, Ali Abdelaziz, sometime soon. But moving on to the main event, the biggest part of the night, uh, fight that had me having butterflies the whole entire time. Justin Gaethje basically dominates Tony Ferguson, and... It was really impressive for me. I've I've been very vocal in the past by saying Justin Gaethje was a sloppy brawler, keeps his chin up, runs out of stamina in eight minutes. Um, he only has eight minutes before his the threat of him winning goes down very far. Um, and he proved me wrong. He proved a lot of people wrong, including Tony Ferguson. Um, Tony Ferguson just didn't look right. He was just he wasn't very fluid with his movements. He only landed a few shots. He he didn't attempt any takedowns. He did one kind of sloppy, slow, non-explosive Imanari roll. No, he just didn't look right. I'm not making excuses for him. Justin Gaethje fought a perfect fight, and even Tony Ferguson didn't make excuses. So if the, the actual champ himself, former champ himself, doesn't make excuses, there's not really anything I can say. But Justin Gaethje, he, he, he really fought his heart out. Um, he didn't really slow down. He slowed down for about a minute and picked up the pace. Uh, the leg kicks were killing Tony, and it was making him unstable. He's eating a lot of Gaethje's shots early on in the fight, and then 
they were starting to hurt him. He was starting to wobble, and then he got hit by a power jab, um, which kind of sent him reeling back, and then Herb Dean had seen enough, and he stopped it, and it, was re- it really made me sad um, for... I'm, I'm very happy for Justin Gaethje, and I think uh, I'll talk about him and Khabib, uh, the potential matchup for the end of the year a little bit later in this podcast, but I just feel bad for Tony Ferguson. I think the UFC has done him a little dirty. I mean, he's on a 12-fight win streak, never got a title shot. Uh, we have guys like Jose Aldo is about to get a title shot after a loss. Dominic Cruz, title shot after a loss and a four-year layoff. We had Yoel Romero getting a title shot after a loss. Just these kind of things kind of kind of upset me as a as a fan, especially for someone who deserves the world like Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson didn't have to take this fight, but he took it because he's a badass. And it really, it really made me sad, made me feel bad for him because... We probably will never see Khabib and Tony, and I do think Tony was the one guy who had the best chance to beat Khabib, so a little sad, a little sad to see that there, but um, just like just like Tony Ferguson saying, CSO, champ stuff only, um, he didn't make any excuses, he said the weight cut wasn't a problem, didn't cause anything, um, he did kind of throw in there that he had trained this whole entire fight camp for Khabib, uh, and when you find out that he's fighting Justin Gaethje, I think he had like three weeks, so um, it would be cool to see him rematch, I don't think there will ever be a rematch, because Tony Ferguson got dominated, the only argument you could really make was that he won the second round when he knocked, I don't know if it counted as like an official knockdown, when he knocked down Justin Gaethje, um, or had him wobbled, had him hurt, but it's too bad for Tony Ferguson, I hope he gets the respect he deserves, I, I would personally um, like to see him retire. I don't see him changing his style and getting more defensive. I think Gaethje's style fighting Tony Ferguson is like the perfect match for Gaethje to favor Gaethje because Tony has, he has wild movement, kind of looks like he's breakdancing when he fights, but his chin is up and he was eating so many shots. He got wobbled a couple times. He was eating so many shots and it, it was tough to watch, but Props to Justin Gaethje. He improved on his cardio, improved on his defense. Listen to everything his coaches were saying. He doesn't get excited after he hurts someone, doesn't come rushing in with his chin up. And it's going to be interesting to see him fight Khabib. Now, to go on to him and Khabib, that's going to be a good fight because I think Justin Gaethje has the best, in my opinion, or might be statistically correct, besides Khabib, he has the best takedown defense in the lightweight division. Um, and we saw what Connor was able to do. Um, he was able to stuck si- stuff six out of the nine takedowns that Khabib went for. Of course, he couldn't get up when Khabib was on top of him. But Connor was able to, when he was able to stay on the feet, he was winning the, he was winning the fights. He got, he got kind of rocked in uh, on when he was stepping back. He got hit by an overhand. But we're not talking about Connor right now. We're talking about Justin Gaethje. And Justin Gaethje has the best takedown defense in the lightweight division. His leg kicks will will definitely be able to stun and kind of hurt Khabib's explosiveness when he goes for those takedowns. Uh, it will sap some strength away from him when they're on the fence. And Gaethje has that power, and we've seen it. His power carries on through the rounds now. I think the best thing for Gaethje, it's kind of cliche to say, but the best thing for him um, at this point was to lose when he lost to Eddie Alvarez and then lost to Dustin Poirier. He really changed his style after that and became a, a more calculated fighter. Um, not as chaotic as I said, and I hadn't given him credit, and I give him a lot of credit. Uh, what I also love about about Justin Gaethje is that he's kind of changing his image. 
he's talking a lot about social work and how he wanted to be a social worker when he was younger and it was really honorable really noble hits kind of close to home for me because I know a lot of people um who are a part of that system and and I myself was a little involved in that system so it's really honorable to see that he's going to focus and use his platform for good instead of um, trash talking other fighters like Dylan he still does trash talk Dylan Dennis but he's laid off on trash talking Conor McGregor and he's he's a real champ in my eyes uh, another thing that I really liked was that he threw the interim belt away because he didn't want it his his coach had to take it he wants the real belt and hopefully Ali Abdelaziz is able to get a fight signed between Tony Ferguson uh sorry I wish um, a fight between Khabib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje. They are under the same management, but I don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, I think Cody Garbrandt and... No, Cody Garbrandt and Henry Cejudo never fought, but I know quite a few. Yeah, Justin Gaethje and Donald Cerrone, I think they're both owned by Ali. So they're both managed by Ali. So we shouldn't see any problems with a bout there. Um, I still want to see... still want to see Conor McGregor basically fight anybody, everybody in the top five. I want to see him fight um, Dustin Poirier again. I want to see him fight Justin Gaethje. I want to see him fight Tony Ferguson. Um, I just, I just still think Tony Ferguson should retire. And on a side note, Cowboy should retire too. Cowboy looked good. It was nice to not see him get finished, but this is his fourth loss in a row. Um, Anthony Pettis ate his best shot, kept moving forward. Didn't look like he was hurt from that head kick, which that head kick kills everybody. And, and you saw Alexander... Hernandez get rocked by that leg kick that Cowboy landed on him. So a uh, little disappointing to see Cowboy lose, but it was good to see him go all the way three rounds. So, but that's that. Um, it was it was an exciting card. It was fun. It was the things that I like is um, about these no fans is you get to appreciate wrestling. You get to appreciate wrestling and top tier. Uh, elite grappling, elite jiu-jitsu, elite wrestling, elite takedown defense. Um, you get to appreciate that because when you have the f- crowds, um, crowds will boo whenever there's like more than 10 seconds on the ground or more than 10 seconds against the cage. And it's cool to see that. I like to hear the coach's advice because it's cool to see whether or not the fighters are acknowledging. So I think um, one of the fighters in the prelims, the guy who fought Sam Alvey, I forget his name, apologize to you because you won and looked pretty decent in that fight but he was even acknowledging his coach answering him um it's cool to see if the fighters like actually listen to the advice or if the advice you think if because a lot of people like me will be like oh uh, tony needs to do this the coach might think otherwise and i might be wrong i might be right coach might be wrong coach might be right and it's cool to see that and hear that and it's also cool to hear the, the fighters trash talk to each other hear their breathing hear how tired they're getting and it was just overall a good night. I was I love the fans though. I I do miss the fans. I miss the oohs and the ahs, the boos, the cheers, um, the clapping, standing ovations, all that stuff. I miss all that. But I would rather have fights than no fights. So that's gonna end this episode of Zendependently Minded. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Make sure you share it with everybody and stay tuned. And thank you. And stay safe out there with the coronavirus.